Please, if you want to find your seats, thank you so much. <laughs> Amber and Rebecca, thank you. And ladies, just thank you for joining in worship and with your full hearts and your full voices. Seeing that he's our living hope is another thing to know it in the depths of your soul, right? And I pray that it's both for all of us in the room. And if it's not, that by the time you leave here, it's going to be. Jesus is a living hope for all of us. And I, I, I hadn't planned to say this, but I just have this sense from the Holy Spirit as I was back there worshiping and singing with you about, you know, death has no claim on me. That I remember when I came to the awareness that death isn't just about a physical death that no longer has claim on me. Because the way that death attacks us while we're living is it attacks our mind, and it attacks our emotions, and it attacks our will. That is the soul of who we are. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when the enemy comes after us, when he came after each one of us, he came after us to destroy us completely. Spirit, soul, and body. When you sin, the, actually the Bible says you were born in sin, right? We were born in sin. And so before we're ever even, you know, take our first breath, our spirit is already dead. He did that, all right? But he spends the rest of your life attacking your mind, attacking your emotions, and attacking your will. And then he's letting you know death is coming for you and you better be afraid of it for your body. All right? He is after you. But salvation in Jesus also goes after every part of you. And it starts with your spirit. And the first thing that happens is your spirit comes to life again. Jesus resurrects on the inside of you. And then he starts warring for your mind as the lion roaring. He doesn't want you to experience all this death. And I don't use this word often, but crap in your mind. Okay? Sometimes we just need to speak like, like intense. He doesn't want us to live there. So he is roaring for that. There's death that can take place in your mind. There's death that the enemy, he knows if you have been saved, if you are in Christ, that he cannot do anything to your spirit anymore. But you better believe he's going to be that bully trying to bully you out in this world. And he is going to attack your mind, your emotions, and your will. And try to make your life like a living dead person, right? And how many people have you ever met, and many times it's looking in the mirror, when you are alive, but you are dead. That's why the Bible says, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Because you might be breathing, but you might as well be dead because the enemy is having such an effect on you. But Christ comes after us and he saves us. He resurrects us. And then he is warring the whole time we're alive for our soul. That our soul would be yielded to him. Why? Not, not just to say the busy work of doing it, right? I mean, there's more to it. His heart is life for us, ladies. He wants us to live in life. So everything he shows us about himself, everything he calls us to do, it's always for the purpose of abundant life. And that's in your mind, that's in your emotions, that's in your will. And then you can also know 
you know, yeah, this body's going to die, but hallelujah, it's going to resurrect into a new glorified body, and we can say glory, glory, glory hallelujah, hallelujah, right? Yeah, and so salvation is full. Death comes after us in every way, spirit, soul, and body, but Jesus comes after us like a roaring lion with life for your spirit, your soul, and your body, all right? So that was just free. That wasn't planned for tonight, but I just really sense that the Holy Spirit wanted to just speak that into some hearts tonight, all right? So here we are at Friday night, Friday night. And, you know, I, I love um, Friday nights because uh, we, we always uh, do something on Friday nights that really um, brings a lot of what we're talking about into your personal time with Jesus, okay? And it's a time when we want to equip you to be able to really have some personal Bible study with the Lord. And that's our plan as well. And we're going to use a new tool that we've created for this year called Bible Study Glories. But before we jump into that, and I'll tell you more about that, and we'll talk you all through it, I'm going to share some brief things just to get us started, okay? So let's go back to that main passage of scripture um, for our weekend, uh, this weekend in Hebrews 1. And it begins in verses 1 and 2. And it says, God, when he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and many ways, but in these last days, how has he spoken? In his son, right? And then you know the next part. So let's say that all together. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. So let's pause right there. This morning we meditated on the nature of Christ. And we got to see so many divergent excellencies. And it's been uh, really just a blessing to hear you talking and sharing about those things. You're going to go home with this new phrase and people are going to be like, Woo, where did you learn that? <laughs> right? So, and, and don't feel like it was from me. I learned it from someone else too, all right? But it's so rich to see those distinct glories shining of Jesus. But tonight we want to zoom in on one word in that phrase. And that's, uh, let's say those two lines again. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And the word we're going to zoom in on is the word exact. That Jesus is the exact representation of whose nature? God's nature. And that would only make sense because he is God. But being that is, he is also man... His humanity gives me a straight-on view right here on the earth, right? To see him living in the same way that I lived, in the place that I lived, with my same nature, right? He had a soul as well. He had a spirit. He had a soul. He had a body. So that meant he had a mind, a will, and emotions. And so when I look at Jesus, I can see what God is like. I can see what breaks God's heart. What moves his hand? What angers him and motivates him? And what does God think? And what does God say? And how does God respond to this and that? The nature that we see in Christ is the nature of our God. Now, over the centuries, people have wanted to get to know God, but they couldn't see. 
So unless they were connected to one of the prophets, they had no idea what he was really like. And even then, their knowledge was really limited. So what did that desire lead them to do often? Construct their what? Their own gods. And thousands of them. There were cultures that had, like in, in Egypt, when Moses um, was alive, Egypt had thousands upon thousands of gods. And we know that those gods were not really gods, and they only literally brought about destruction in their lives, not glory. We were made for God's glory. Now, if we can't see the glory of God and, and live in it, we will try to construct something else and give it glory. It happens all around us all the time and sometimes have even as believers within us but here's the truth we don't have to live like that ladies we do have sight through the Holy Spirit to see Jesus and therefore see who God is we don't have to squint we don't have to try to figure him out we can truly see God in the person of Jesus now it's one thing to say Right? That we can see God as we look at Jesus. And it's one thing to get all hyped up about that. And that's good. We love to get hyped up during a retreat. But it's another thing to actually do that. Right? To actually see him. So tonight, we want each one of us here in the room to get actively involved in the gazing so we can see him. And I, I shared with you yesterday that I've been meditating on the glories of Jesus all year long and and it's been really glorious to do that and one of the reasons is because this trope truth broke through for me i hadn't really made this connection before i mean i knew it but i didn't know it you know what i mean and and it was this truth that when i see things in jesus i can make the biblical assumption that that same thing is what i see in god and I hadn't really ever made that connection before. And so what's happened as I've been gazing at Jesus and seeing his glory, my relationship with God the Father has gotten richer and better as well because now I know that I'm also seeing him. It's a simple thing and yet it's a very profound thing as well. And I want to tell you about one place in scripture where that happened for me specifically. So if you want to turn with me to the Gospel of John, okay? The Gospel of John. And we, we talked about John this morning, right? He wrote the book of Revelation, or God used him to write the book of Revelation. We're going to be in John chapter 13. So I was meditating on John chapter 13. And this, uh, this section of scripture is about where uh, Jesus is, is coming near to his death on the cross. Let me read verse 1 for you. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, as I was meditating on this whole part, that's where I kept coming back to. 
And that for me, I can't say for anyone else, but for me, when the Holy Spirit is illuminating something in God's word, it's like a phrase or sometimes even just a word like has a light bulb on it. Like it's under a, um, a microscope or, you know, a magnifying glass. And this phrase, he loved them to the end, was that phrase for me as I was meditating. The beautiful thing about God's word is it is living and active. So I might come back to it next year and that phrase would still be quite powerful but the Holy Spirit might illuminate something else. You know what I'm talking about? Because this isn't a book, right? We all understand this is the living, active Word of God. So you think about this as far as what that says, Jesus loving to the end. That little phrase has opened up so much in my heart, in my relationship, not only to Jesus, but to God the Father as well. As I understand that connection from Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. See, up until this point in Scripture, Jesus' ministry has absolutely been demanding. I mean, physically, he was often tired and hungry. The Bible says he many times had no place to even lay his head down, right? Uh, relationally, again and again, he was misunderstood, mistreated, not just by his enemies, but really his own friends and family. Publicly, over and over, we see him being slandered and cornered and, and mocked and accused by the religious elite. And, and no doubt about it, all of those things were terribly difficult. But during that season, Jesus had uninterrupted fellowship with the Father. He often spoke about how um, the Father literally doing God's will was his food. It was his rest, right? Um, he talked about how they were one and, and, and he didn't do anything without the Father's you know, intention in doing it. So, so he had this favor. He had this fellowship of the Lord, which is one way you can walk through a sinful world and a broken place is that you know that God is with you, right? And, 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 and that takes us through. So he had that. But now a different kind of hour was coming in his life where that's not going to be like that anymore. Hell itself, not metaphorically, but literally in reality, hell was going to take Jesus under. And not only was he going to bear the weight of all sin, but he was going to bear the wrath then of his father for it. And he was willing to what? As John 13, 1 says, to see it through all the way to the end. Now, honestly, I don't think we can comprehend the highness of what that means. You know, just like a three-year-old cannot comprehend the pain a spouse feels when cheated on, we, like children, cannot comprehend what it was like for God to unleash his cumulative judgment. And when we say cumulative, we mean building judgment, one generation after another, his wrath for all the sinfulness of his people down onto one man. But he did. And Isaiah said it like this, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that includes every one of us in this room. So you start thinking about all that sin weight of every person spanning the centuries. Think about a huge football stadium. When you look and you see all those people, and that is not even a speck of the amount of people, right? Bearing down on Jesus, selfishness, immorality, pride, anger, 
perversion, bitterness, greed, jealousy, idolatry, violence, meanness, lust, manipulation, deceit, ungratefulness, foolishness, on and on and on we could go. And not only crushed his body, but even more so his heart. And Jesus had said over and over again that communing with God was how he was walking through this life, right? And then to humbly walk into the other extreme, bearing that unspeakable weight of sin for all of history. You know, I, I think about sometimes when I have become acutely aware of my own sin, the weight of it just feels so crushing. I, I don't know if you've ever felt that. I imagine you have. You multiply that for a whole lifetime times every person who ever lived. Unimaginable for us. And, and even in what we could imagine, we would ask, so why? Why would he go through with it? Well, John tells us why right here in verse 13, verse 1, or chapter 13, verse 1. He says what? He loved them to the end. To the end. Just let that sink in. And as I have done that, the Lord has revealed this glory to me. That, that Jesus' love is not like a firework, like it starts with all this fizzle and then it just kind of burns out, right? His love is not like somebody in a race and they, they start quick out of the gate and they, they run really fast, but then they slow and falter. No, in his love, to the end, we see his heart is more like an avalanche, right? And it starts moving forward with, with momentum, like a wildfire. It gets um, stronger and stronger in intensity no matter what it encounters knowing that Jesus love to the end reveals so much about his heart for us but it actually also reveals so much about God's heart for us and for me personally I mean I grew up in a, in a great home in many many ways I have so much to be thankful for but I did not have this like um, this like really tender-hearted connection with my father and then I grew up in a church that was very uh, much lean toward the lion aspect. Let's just leave it that way. So my view of, of God the Father has been very stern, very harsh, uh, not really approachable. Now, I'm so grateful. My, my father, he, he loves Jesus, and his, God has redeemed so much in his life, and his heart has grown so tender, and I have a precious relationship with him now. He's actually quite sick, and, you know, I'm just seeing God heal neat things even as I'm seeing him heal neat things in my own relationship to God the Father but being able to see that in Jesus that he loves to the end and knowing that's how my father loves too and he does it in a lion's roar but he does it also with that tenderness of a lamb it's all represented in Jesus and God together to come face to face with that it like deeply impacts me because that's very, very distinct in a life where I often feel very unlovable, where others don't let me get past a first offense, where others get tired of me or only have so much in their tank and then they're done. Jesus loves me to the end. And that also means that my heavenly father does as well. And I could go on and on about that. Just the, the deep things that God has done in my heart as I have just meditated on that this year. Glories that, that not only reveal him, but also reveal God.
But tonight, instead of me going on and on about that, God wants you to go on and on about that. Okay? And so earlier I mentioned a Bible study tool that we're going to put into your hands tonight. And over the years, we've just created different tools. None of them are fancy at all. They're very simple. But when you put them in the hands of women who are drawing close and saying yes and spending that time with God, gazing at Him, some really powerful things can happen. And this year, we've developed a new tool, and it's called Bible Study Glories. There's lots of, I mean, like countless glories of Jesus to be gazed at right here in the pages of your Bible. And the tool we've created, I think, is going to help us to see them. So I want to show you. You already have this tool in your folder. There was a note page for tonight if you wanted to take it, just a few notes on the, that quick little intro time. But mainly you want to pull this out, okay? This is the sheet. It says Bible study glories at the top, okay? And when you pull it out, you're going to see that there's already a passage written there for you, all right, at the top that you are going to be gazing at and meditating upon. Here's the thing. Every one of us in the room is going to be gazing at a different part of the book of John. There's 52 of us here, and we've divided the book of John into 52 different sections, okay? And there are countless glories contained there. Now, the beauty of us using this tool collectively tonight is that as we all take a section, we're literally going to survey and gaze over the entire book of John in just a short time. And hopefully, we're going to see some amazing glories. So in just a moment, we're going to break off individually. I'll tell you more about that. And we're going to put this tool to use. So I'm going to explain now how to do that. So if you can get it in front of you, just visually, it helps you to look at that as I'm explaining it. At the top, you'll see that it says, seven questions to help me see things that are true, displayed, and distinct about Jesus. You'll recognize those words from what we used last night as the dynamics, some of the dynamics of glory. Then you'll see your passage. Now for me, my passage for tonight was John 13, verses 1 through 20. Now I got the privilege of being able to pick whichever passage I wanted. And since I wanted to share with you about John 13 and that first verse, as I did this kind of thing that you're going to be doing tonight, that's when I saw that amazing glory that has had such an impact on me, all right? But you have a different um, passage right there, all right? So you see that it says that statement about the questions and then the passage, and then there is a prayer, and I want us to pray it together right now. And pray this for yourself. Oh God, oh God, may what I see deeply impact me and draw forth from my heart Pure worship of you. All right? So there's seven questions. Three on the front and the others are on the back. Let me talk you through each one. Obviously, first of all, you're going to want to read the passage. Okay? Then attend to the seven questions. So if you're afraid you're going to forget to read it, put yourself a little note right there at the top. Okay? The first three questions on that front page, if you can just think of them as they are fact-based questions, all right? It's not a time on the front page for you to go, what does this mean for my life? 
What is the deeper meaning here? What might God be wanting to speak to me? We're not asking that on the front page, okay? So refrain from doing that. You're looking for the facts. Question number one, simple question, what is going on here, all right? So you wanna figure out the context of the passage. So you'll just, don't start yet. Stay with me here, we're just gonna walk our way through. You're just gonna jot some notes down. Now, you might need to read a little before or read a little bit after to figure that out. Because sometimes it's kind of like jumping in on the middle of a conversation. And so you want to get an idea of what is going on here. Number two, you're gonna scour the passage because it says, what did Jesus do, say, or think? So you're gonna read through it again for each of those things and just jot down some notes about them. Now, depending on which section you have, you might find a ton there. It might be just a little bit. It might be only one thing. It might not be anything at all. And you're not supposed to go, oh, well, I guess he doesn't have anything for me. You're not doing that, right? Because you're just looking for facts right now. We're scouring for the facts. Question number three, what did other people say about Jesus? So again, you read back through it. So you're gonna end up reading this multiple times. Now, some of you might have three or four verses. Some of you might have 40 verses, okay? We thought you were extra special. Not really. Actually, just so you know, other than I knew I wanted to share from you with you from um, verse or chapter 13, uh, other than that, I basically drew lots to see who was getting what. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit picked these for you. So you can know, if you don't like your passage, you take it up with him, not with me. All right? So anyway, but the same thing as far as that third question with others, okay? That what you find might be a little, might be a lot, might be one thing, might be nothing at all. Okay? Depending on your passage. Now, the next two questions on the top of the back page, they take us into that pondering and thinking and, and, and try to get some revelation. So you want to ask the Holy Spirit. So if you think you'll forget, at the top of the back page, write, ask the Holy Spirit to help me. And it's always a good idea to do that anyway, right? So the first question, number four here, is what does this reveal about Jesus? Now, obviously, we want the facts here, okay? So you might be even being a little bit repetitive of what you wrote on the front. But this is the time to start to go a little bit deeper, all right? Just like I shared with you from chapter 13, verse 1, yes, the fact that Jesus loved us to the end. But what does that mean? What does that mean in my heart? Like, what does that mean as far as how the Father loves me? And just thinking through some of those things and jotting through some of those thoughts about that, all right? So, uh, let's go on to the next question as well. Question number five. What does this therefore reveal about God? Because remember, we're focused tonight on this whole idea of the exact representation of God. So we want to start training our minds to think that way because I would imagine, I know I'm generalizing here, but I imagine most of us probably that has not been a main pathway of thought for us, right? That that what I see in Jesus, I automatically transcribe that to the Lord, to God the Father as well. And we want to start to do that. So take that into that for number five. Now the last two questions get personal. What have I seen here in this passage that is the most glorious to me? 
There might be many glories of Jesus within the passage, but what in this passage really the Holy Spirit has illuminated for you? I shared with you in mine, all right, about the fact that he loved to the end. And, and I shared some reasons why that was so special to me. And you'll see that question number seven is why, okay? So it's not, it's not hard. It, it's just, it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of energy, all right? It can be really powerful. You literally could do this in 10 minutes, okay? If you are working quickly, but if you're working carefully, you could spend five hours on that if you wanted to. We're gonna land somewhere in the middle. Actually, not even in the middle. Way, way, way more towards one side, okay? And you're probably hoping, I hope you mean toward the 10 minute side than the five hour side, and I do, all right? We're gonna take about 35 minutes and break apart, all right? We just ask two things, that you work quietly and you work independently. You are more than welcome to go to your room to do that or move to another part of the house if you feel like you'd work better uh, that way. But you just want to get your Bible in one hand, this tool in the other. Ask the Lord to open your eyes that you can see the radiance of his glory. If you do go to your room, I would suggest you don't get under the covers and lay down while you're trying to do it. Or we probably won't see you again tonight, and we love to see you, so please don't do that, okay? I mean, you just got to use wisdom sometimes, because I'm telling you what, you sit down with your Bible, the enemy is like, ooh, I think she's tired, right? Have you ever had that happen? You were just fine. And then you open your Bible and you can't stop yawning, all right? And I'm telling you, the enemy does not want you to be in the living, active Word of God because he knows what will happen in your life when you start to see the glory that you can live in instead of this death stuff all around us, okay? So you got to be intentional and you got to be wise to his schemes and getting under the covers when you've had a long day is not a good idea, all right? So stay upright and, and, and work from that way, all right? If I sound like Obama, I am one, all right? So let's see. Let's, uh, it's 7.50. And I'm not great at math, but that would be what? That would be um, 825, right? Okay, woo, look at me. All right, so we're gonna meet back here. And let me tell you what we're gonna do. When we come back, we will have some dessert available, okay? What we want you to do is bring, bring your sheet back with you. Like for, see, I've already done mine too, and I already shared some things. We're gonna give you the opportunity to share. See, it's one thing for us to go off and do this by ourselves, but as we're doing the whole book of John, you think about the glories that, that John saw, that he recorded. We can like bring some serious glory into this house tonight, ladies. So we want to come back and we want to share it. Don't stress about that like, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to say. Of course you don't because you haven't looked at it yet, right? <laughs> but you're going to look at it and then God's going to show you some things. And we're just all in here learning to do it together. And it's really gonna be a beautiful experience. So you'll grab your dessert, come and find a place, and we're just gonna have some chit chat time as we have dessert. It's gonna be really special, all right? So let's actually, let's say 8.30 to give us that five minute move time if you're going, all right? Let's just make it a clean 8.30 and we'll be back, all right? So remember, independently and quietly, all right? Thank you, it's awesome.